Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Friday, July the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and... As always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins training camp football. On today's show, it is day two of camp for 2019. We've got another signing to the roster, a couple of injuries to report on, and a relatively sloppy day of practice as the quarterback gap gets a little bit wider, two wide receivers put on a show, and some undrafted free agents make an impact on the defensive line. All of that and a whole lot more, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your shows from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL for all the best comprehensive coverage of your Miami Dolphins training camp. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out the written journals up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that get rewarded, and Hotels.com has me down in Miami for training camp, and before we jump into the practice report from day number two, let's talk about the addition to the roster that came in before practice early on Friday morning as the Dolphins bring a Miami native back home to his hometown and a former Miami Hurricane back into his hometown where his old stomping grounds were in his collegiate days. Alan Hearn signs a one-year contract that's worth up to $3 million to join this wide receiver crew that really right now Looks like it might be full as far as five receivers goes, but if Alan Hearns can get back from the injury he suffered last year in the postseason, he will have a chance to make some impact on this roster as an ex-receiver. He has some pretty gaudy numbers at times in his career. You go back to 2015 for the last time that he was really, truly productive, 1,031 yards and 10 touchdowns, but since then, it's been a pretty steep decline for the former Jaguar and one-year former Cowboy from last year. He's got nearly 3,000 career receiving yards and 28 touchdown, 23 touchdowns rather in his career. He's going to compete for that fifth or maybe sixth and final receiving position on the roster. I think this might spell trouble for a guy like Preston Williams or the other undrafted free agents in Trenton Irwin or the AAF signee in Reese Horn as we'll get to those guys' practice performance as well as the rest of the team here in a minute on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. But a couple of players were limited in practice on Friday, and it starts with Alan Hearns, who was on the stationary bike pretty much after warm-ups and individual drills, spent more time on the bike than he did working in the team period, as was the case for rookie linebacker, fifth-round draft pick out of Wisconsin, Andrew Van Ginkle. I saw him walk over to the autograph line after practice, and he was very, very heavily favoring his left leg with a very ginger limp over to that autograph line. We'll see what happens with him going forward. Albert Wilson, the receiver, 
receiver for the Dolphins, was also held out of practice. It sounds like he's going to be on something of a pitch count this summer as they kind of limit his work, maybe day on, day off type of situation, kind of like the veterans were last year, like Frank Gore and Danny Amendola. Albert Wilson might be limited throughout camp, so maybe not as great as we thought it was going to be yesterday with his full go for practice as he sits down day two of camp. As far as the rest of practice and just the general feel of it, Everything was different today than what it was on Thursday. Different drills. They worked out on the far field, which kind of sucked for the fan base. And they had the camera well set up behind those field goal posts. Right when I arrived, I recognized that and thought, okay, we're not going to get a great look at stuff today up close anyway as all the stuff they want to put on film occurred on the far field. The field in front of us was basically the specialists goofing around. You've got Jason Sanders and Matt Hawk and that company kicking the ball around or throwing the ball around, doing absolutely nothing. Then you had some install work over there as well with the running backs putting some stuff in, the offensive line doing some work there as well. But as far as those installs go, and I'm not going to put this kind of stuff in the written journal up on LockedOnDolphins.com, which of course you guys can find at the conclusion of practice every day, but I will tell you the running install they were doing throughout the course of practice was basically what you've come to expect from Eric Studsville, Dolphins running backs coach, as well as the run game coordinator. They were putting in a variety of different packages from man gap schemes with a lot of pulling action. Chris Reed, the left guard, was pulling a lot early on in these installs. They ran some outside zone where they had the coaching staff standing at the tight end position with the angle or the target point, I should say, for the running back at that tight end position with a cut inside or outside in that outside zone look. They ran a lot of inside zone as well. There was some counter tray action, plenty of running game variety from Eric Studsville. But again, that should come as no surprise. Now, before practice, we had Brian Flores at the podium for his pre-practice press conference. Say that five times fast. And he discussed a few things that I think were pretty imperative to what we saw on the practice field. And it really goes into the usage of certain starters or players that we expect to be starters on the second team with the elevation of the backups behind those guys getting a good healthy look at those players in the first two days of training camp. Of course, Raekwon McMillan and Kenyon Drake, probably the most alarming players on that second team to begin the practices. Now, before they do their warmups, there's a little session beforehand on the far field where they do some basic install. Yesterday, you had Christian Wilkins running fullback on that install. That was really cool to see. Today, Rayquan McMillan was the first team linebacker out there, so I tend to think there shouldn't be any panic about that. Now, Flores did say that Rayquan had a nick back in spring practices or OTAs, whatever the hell we're going to call it, and that's why he's been playing with some of the second team and getting the elevation of guys like Sam Egwavion. I know I butchered that pronunciation. The same could be true for Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs because as Coach Flores says, he needs backups that can play when it comes to game time because guys get hurt in this league. It's a war of attrition, next man up mentality, all those fun cliches. You're going to have to have 53 guys on the roster that can contribute and they're going to get these guys onto the field. And my belief is that Well, if Kenyon Drake is the only capable running back on the roster, they can't do what they want to do. They need two interchangeable guys that can come in and out of the game on a given series, on a given quarter, on a given play for that matter, that can execute the offense with the exact same efficiency as the guy ahead of him. So Kalen Balazs, who we heard might have been behind in some of the concepts in the passing game early on in OTAs, is getting plenty of run. I think they're trying to accelerate his learning curve and get him ready for the preseason as well as the regular season because they're probably going to rely on him to give them plenty of reps, plenty of carries, and plenty of pass catching as well 
on top of the fact that you have Kenyon Drake entering a contract year. So come this time next year, Kalen Balaj could be the man. So he needs the work. He's getting the work. Plenty of stuff to cover in today's practice. We're going to take our first break here on the podcast. Real quick before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Postmates, who have been my own personal food delivery service since I got in town. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you want all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code Locked On with Postmates today. We'll come right back on the other side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I had plenty of recommendations or suggestions to go check out La Zapata. La Zapata? I can't pronounce anything, man. But I did go to the sandwich shop and got to enjoy that experience. A very good Italian sandwich there. So I appreciate that recommendation. And I'm still taking any recommendations for the many lunches and dinners I have ahead of me down here in South Florida. But in between all of that is some Miami Dolphins practices. And I was back in attendance on day number two for Friday, July 26th here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we talked about some of the conditioning that happened after practice on Thursday, the first practice of training camp. And maybe some of those guys experienced some dead legs, but the highs and the lows are going to happen across any training camp, across the country, across the league. And I think that today was one of those low points for Miami. Day one was very crisp, very sharp, not a lot of balls hitting the ground, not a lot of guys having to go to the TNT wall, but today was more of the other side of the coin with balls on the ground, guys missing assignments, plenty of guys checking out the TNT wall themselves, and we might have saw some foreshadowing for that when during that Flores media availability in the morning, somebody's recording device fell off the podium and Brian Flores jokingly sent that reporter quote unquote to the wall. So it was funny at the time, but I'm sure Flores didn't find it so funny when his team put together what I would consider a pretty, pretty bad practice for most of the day. But despite some of the flubbed exchanges, the coverage breakdowns, the drop passes. There was some really good plays as well on Friday's practice. And it starts again with quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who continues to play just like you'd expect a 15-year veteran of the league to play. He had his first two throws of the day dialed up downfield in 21 personnel on play action, something I think we're going to see a lot of going forward. He dials up Devontae Parker on the first one, who makes a nice catch over the top of the DB. And then Bryce Butler, who got Nick Needham, the undrafted free agent from UTEP, on a deep ball as well for the touchdown about 35 yards out on that play. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is always the first quarterback in the drill. He sets a precedent and that precedent is a mark that is not matched by the other two quarterbacks, which you would expect from Jake Rudock, but you don't like it as much when it comes from Josh Rose and the Dolphins prized potential future franchise quarterback of this newly renovated Miami Dolphins organization and operation. And the 22-year-old has a lot of career left, no doubt about that. But the first two days of practice for him have not been kind. I thought today was even worse than day one. And it started off in the very first individual period. The quarterbacks ran this simulated pressure drill where they were throwing to these three stationary coaches who were lined up at the far left sideline, one in the middle of the hash marks and one to the far right sideline. And the quarterbacks would get to the top of their drop 
and then climb up the pocket and face some simulated pressure where they had to kind of move around and work the ball and reset their stance and make the throw. And right away from the first throw, Rosen throws one way wide of his mark. And the other quarterbacks were right on the target with that. So I just think that maybe he needs to be a little more calm, be a little more patient. But where I really worry is that this was very prevalent on Josh Rosen's tape with the Arizona Cardinals, where when he had to snap from one progression to the next and make a quick throw, make a quick release and get the ball up and out, these were the same things I continued to see on tape as his accuracy continued to wane and continued to suffer. And the same was true of his work throwing the ball into the flats in some of the goal line packages. The Dolphins operated this five on five or six on five. It depended on the package they used, but they would operate with some multiple tight end sets and backfield sets, and they would do mesh concepts over the middle of the field and run the backs into the flat. And Rosen was often putting the ball either too high or too wide. Some of those awkward angles on swing passes or the throws into the flat. And either of those plays are going to make different throws because on swing passes, the running back is turned upfield and catches the ball and gets upfield and runs. On flat routes, you're going to be turned with your back to the defense where you have to catch the ball kind of backhanded and then turn back upfield. And those types of throws require very accurate passes because if they're not, you're not going to create after the catch. And since the depth of the target is so short, then the play is not going to be successful. And one of, the, one of the fixtures of Dolphins camp so far has been these jumbled up drills where they'll do one thing, go over to a team portion, and then come back to these individual drills. Whereas in the past, or so I'm told, you basically build up to the team portion of practice. Well, that's not what the Dolphins are doing. They're doing multiple different things at once, multiple drills on the field at once. There was one point where I counted nine different drills going on during the practice, but when they came back to the same individual type of drill, it was the same exact drill as earlier in the practice, only with a couple of slight variances. And those variances were receivers were in the positions of the coaches and the quarterbacks were working on fleeing the pocket against simulated interior pressure, getting out on the move and throwing the ball on the move. And once again, the first throw, Rosen puts it way over the top of Kenny Stills' head. And this lack of execution is one thing that you don't want to see, no doubt about that, but we can kind of work and overcome that. But the body language and the sulking mentality that it looked like he had was one that I thought probably should have been aggravation or frustration with himself, but he kind of hung his head and that was difficult to see. You maybe have to wonder where his headspace is right now as he is probably so far behind, at least in terms of what the quarterback meeting room is telling him and what I'm telling you guys from the practice looks. I would assume that he's very far behind in this quote unquote competition and I'm sure that he knows that and it might be affecting his mentality and maybe even his performance. But the quarterbacks did work with these first team offensive line basically stayed the same. The receiving groups changed in and out almost like an air raid system where you have sets or shifts of receivers like in hockey. And so he got some work with some of the first team guys that he will see when he eventually gets the starting job in the season, which I do believe at some point this year, we are going to see Josh Rosen. But today, today would suggest that you're not going to see him because I can confidently say that I thought Jake Rudock was a better quarterback today than Josh Rosen was. So not a good start for number three. Again, we're on day two of camp. Please don't take this as harping on the kid. I still think he might have a chance in this offense. It's not as high as some of you guys would probably think it is, but I do believe that Josh Rosen has a chance as it's so, so early in the process right now. Let's go back into the backfield and talk about the running backs. 
And those guys were getting that work on the install for the multiplicity and the ground game, something I think we'll see going forward because we saw it last year with Eric Studsville. We've seen it with the Patriots. A lot of those influences are going to be available for the Dolphins running game. And I've talked so many times about Eric Studsville on this podcast in the short time that he's been here. He's basically been here for 18 months, but he is a fun coach to watch on the field. He's animated. He's vocal. I could actually hear him from the bleachers, which you really can't hear that much when you're up there. And he was even using the pass protection pad as he was sending blitzers with the running backs and after a couple of reps he got himself in there and blitzed himself at the running backs and pass protection so those guys are getting plenty of work they're getting plenty of good instruction and that mostly includes the kid that he has a pre-existing relationship in Kalen Balaj, the guy getting first team reps with the first team offense. He is really, really drilling Kalen Balaj, And that's why I do believe that they're trying to get him acclimated and increase or accelerate, I should say, his learning curve because they can't just go in with Kenyon Drake. They got to have two guys ready to rock and roll. Balaj did, however, begin opening goal line work as they deep back in 21 personnel. He was back there at the start of the team portion of practice. And I talked about the 21 personnel personnel package. They use this thing a lot today. And a lot of that had to do with Chandler Cox, the rookie fullback. He's going to need an ice bath because he was out there all the time. Those two deep passes to Devontae Parker and to Bryce Butler both came off of play action out of 21 personnel. So more first down passing like we'd like to talk about here on the podcast. But the two back sets were not exclusive to the use of a fullback. There were some reps that had Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj like we had last year late in the season going early into training camp this year. So I do think we're going to see both those guys on the field at times. And one more Patriot influence, or maybe even just a Warren Sharp influence, two things that I have been harping on on this podcast, was the use of the running backs in the passing game and the tight ends and their alignment. The running backs flexed out wide and ran these little five-yard hitches. You go back to the Super Bowl, the Patriots basically created that game-winning touchdown drive, the one that put the game out of reach on the Rams' defense by using the flexed-out running backs in the passing game because you're going to get mismatches with linebackers usually in off coverage for an easy five-yard pitch and catch. And we talk about play success rate on early downs from Warren Sharp, getting five yards in the passing game on first down, setting up second down and five. That's a successful play. And I think we'll see plenty of that going forward. And to jump into the tight end position and to kind of piggyback off the alignment thing, Mike Kosicki was blocking in line or just playing in line far too often last year. We all know how that went down with Adam Gaze calling the shots. Well, Gasecki is not putting his hand in the dirt. He's not lining up in line. He's either flexed out wide or in the slot doing what he does best. And my goodness, this guy is a highlight machine catching the football off of his body with one hand. He was also a part of a lot of 13 personnel packages down by that goal line with those mesh concepts where you have two guys crossing, trying to confuse the defense on the back line of the end zone, running flat and rubs and just giving the defense multiple things to look at in a condensed basic type of package that's typically a running package but you get down there and you have tight ends like this you can go ahead and operate that play action package and to me two days into practice Gasicki looks like a guy that could put up double digit touchdowns in this offense I think Nick O'Leary looks pretty good he has that dual functionality we've all talked about and he showed that at practice the same was true of Durham Smythe they love these vertical seam routes to those guys where they throw the ball over the top of the linebacker and the tight end has to elevate and make that catch and these two guys were very heavily involved in the running game install and you could essentially argue that 
Gesicki compared to O'Leary and Smythe are different position players altogether. So the tight ends I thought looked good. The running backs looked pretty good. The one quarterback looked pretty good. We'll get to the rest of this team, including the receivers and the defense here next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But real quick, I want to tell you guys about my attire at practice from Untuck It. And we thank Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. Even when you sweat through it, it still looks good. No tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com. Use promo code NBA to get 20% off your order. That's untuckit.com. Promo code NBA. We'll come right back with more practice reports on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. So this is something I'm sure a lot of you locals know about, but my goodness, what is the deal with drivers in South Florida, as I sound like a terrible hack comic from the 1980s, but you basically either have the nervous first timer out there who's blocking up traffic going 35 miles an hour down the highway, or you have the maniac who's going 80 miles an hour, switching lanes and making every possible effort to cause accidents out there. It's a damn raceway, and I just hope that I can get through 10 days with my rental car without running into issues on these crazy streets. But luckily, I was able to survive the Mario Kart battle multiplayer round-like highway of South Florida and get myself back out to the second day of practice. And let's go ahead and pick it up where we left off with the wide receivers. I got a lot of notes here on the receivers as Alan Hearns was there. We talked about that signing the one-year deal. But Devontae Parker and Bryce Butler, two guys who are probably trying to fend off Alan Hearns for work on this roster, showed up in a big way today. I talked about the first two bombs from Ryan Fitzpatrick in the team portion going to Parker and going to Bryce Butler. They made plays all day. There was a great-looking route from Devontae Parker, his signature square-in route. And basically what that is, you push upfield five yards and you work back inside once you get the leverage on the inside on the cornerback. And once Parker gets that route set up where he pushes upfield, he's able to break back inside. And then from there, he has the big body and positioning to where guys can't come through him unless they want to get a flag so he can make that reception. I like seeing that route from Parker. I hope it's a staple on this offense. I, I'm just going to tell you guys, I think that this might be the different year for Devontae Parker. He might be able to stay healthy because for the first time, to me, he looks different. He looks thicker. And I have to address this tweet that got so much action on Twitter where I talked about how he looks bigger in the lower half. Ass, calves, and ankles, I said. Guys, that is a scouting term. You talk to any scout around the country, they're going to tell you they want to see how well guys can generate power. And where does that power come from? It comes from the lower half. The explosion comes from the lower half. Your ass, your calves, your hamstrings, everything in your legs is going to provide that power and that explosion. And to me, Parker looks bigger in that area. And the reason that's encouraging is because this is a guy who has had an issue staying healthy and staying away from those nagging injuries, those soft tissue injuries that put him on the sideline, that get him in a bad mood and get him not practicing and not playing well. Well, if he can overcome that, we know the talent is there. So maybe... Just maybe this is the year where he starts to get an opportunity. I'll just say that it looks like this is a guy that knows that his opportunities in the NFL are running thin after a pretty bad four-year stint. Now, Bryce Butler was a dangerous vertical threat in Dallas, and you pair that with his size at 6'3", 215 pounds, a guy that caught 21 yards per catch in two separate seasons, 2015 and 2017. I just think that this guy might have a shot to stay on the roster at $805,000 this year alone. And the one guy 
that people want to see him to push him out for, and I even put the prediction on the Locked On Dolphins training camp guide before practices start, was Preston Williams. And this guy, to me, I'm not really seeing what people are seeing in practice. Maybe it's the one-on-one drills where he gets the the over-the-top routes or he mosses people, as you want to call it. But he looks so stiff in the way he transitions in and out of breaks. I saw one route against, I can't remember who it was, but he tried to change directions like three or four or five times. And you can't do that because in one-on-one you can, but in team drills or in a game situation... There's this thing called pass rush that you just can't do that on, and Williams looks very stiff in and out of those breaks. So to me, Parker and Butler have put a pretty big gap between Williams in the first two days of practice. Another guy that has put a gap between him and kind of the rest of the receiving core, except for Kenny Stills, who is as solid as ever, is Jakeem Grant. This guy is so diminutive and so explosive in and out of breaks. I saw him run a speed out route where he came down the angle like nothing I've ever seen before. The way he stacks at the top of the route and then works horizontally off the top of that stem is as explosive and as angled as any receiver I've ever seen. He's very, very quick and explosive and the change of direction is so much fun to watch. Now he did have a drop after he smoked Tory McTire on a two-way go. That little inside stab back to the outside release gets himself into the end zone and then drops the ball. So he looks very good still. Albert Wilson, I talked about, was not out there. The offensive line group, again, from the far field, it's difficult to see. I can tell you that Laramie Tunzel, Chris Reed, Dan Kilgore, Jesse Davis, and Jordan Mills were the first team offensive line for the second consecutive day. And the second team line was the same again on Friday. It was uh, Jared Jones-Smith, Michael Dieter, Uh, Kyle Fuller, Michael Dunn, and Zach Stirrup. And while it's tough to get a look at how the pass rush versus the offensive line goes, you could see a myriad of fronts the Dolphins ran in practice with Jerome Baker and Charles Harris in that odd front, which is a three-man front where the outside backers will come down and overhang. And Jerome Baker and Charles Harris act as that overhang linebacker quite a bit. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure up front, so I think the offensive line did pretty well, though there were a couple of sacks in the team portion. But for the most part, I thought protection was pretty good as the quarterbacks had time to survey their reads and get through those progressions. One of the more interesting aspects of practice was before they even got onto the field today. Some of the guys were kind of slowly coming out onto the field, but Jerome Baker and Kiko Alonso were out there working together with a coach, working on their first steps coming downhill, which I think in and of itself is a look into the downhill type of scheme they want to do in terms of run fits. And it also tells me that Jerome Baker has multiple roles on this defense, both from an on-ball edge position to an off-ball middle position, that dollar linebacker role. I think he's going to be very active this year on this Dolphins team. The front defensive line was Akeem Spence, Christian Wilkins, and Devon Godshaw. There's not a lot you can say about them. I thought Godshaw played pretty well, clogging holes in the middle, and Wilkins is still trying to get his conditioning on track, but I do believe that ultimately he's going to be fine. Adolphus Washington had a pressure in there, and so did Jonathan Ledbetter and Dwayne Hendricks, a pair of undrafted rookie free agent defensive ends who both have the look of quality five technique base defensive ends in a defense like this one. Other guys that saw reps on the second team, rookie linebacker Terrell Hanks was excited about that. Joey Embu, the nose tackle, getting second team reps once again. Nate Orchard off that edge and Jonathan Woodard off that edge as well. And the last position group of the day I want to talk about is the defensive backs. Again, this group is kind of set 
or the tone is set rather by Minka Fitzpatrick. There's just this certain energy and tempo to these practices. And Fitzpatrick is the one that's always kind of leading the charge. They have these drills they run and he's always the first one in these individual drills. He's not standing around in groups talking. He's running from drill to drill. He's playing safety and corner and big nickel position, doing all kinds of stuff there. Now, as far as the safety position goes, Rashad Jones got some run with the second team as TJ McDonald came back off the PUP today. Should have mentioned that in the first segment, but McDonald back and healthy and day number two. And he was with the starters as Jones got a bump down to team number two at times. And Xavier Howard did follow Jakeem Grant into the slot once again and put a stop to his dominance. Another day at the office for Xavier Howard. He could possibly travel with the opposition's number one receiver this year, but I think it's going to be matchup based and we'll see more of that going forward in practice. Eric Rowe had a nice bounce back practice. He is really good in this area of trail technique defense where the cornerback will invite the receiver to get upfield and stay in that back downfield hip pocket. And then once the ball comes in, you force the quarterback to put the ball in the bucket. And once the ball comes in, you have to separate the hands. He did well in that technique today. And so did newcomer Tyler Patman, who both had a nice day to wrap up our talk here on the cornerback position. And just to recap the entire day, I mean, sloppy days are going to happen, but the things that that are under a player's control at all times, the things that, so to speak, take no talent, end quote, those things are in well-oiled machine status early on in camp. No walking between drills, something that I'm told was not the case under the previous regime. These practices are efficient. They're getting plenty of work done. I talked about the nine separate drills going on at one time, and each of these guys is privy to the script. They know where they're going. They bounce around, and they make the most of these two-hour sessions. And from the looks of practice, and this should come as no surprise, we talked about it on the podcast all off-season long. These guys have been consistent in their message and the way they've operated their business and their structure to be with that message. So far in two days of camp, looks like they want to run the ball. Looks like they want to be able to be multiple out of tight end packages and their defensive fronts. They want to be the best conditioned team in the league and the variety in the ground game is fluent across all schemes. So I'm excited so far. Not a great day from an individual perspective in terms of performances, but I do think this team is on the right track in this rebuilding phase. And that consistent message, of course, is a big part of that. Okay, we're going to sign off for this Friday podcast, but a reminder, we're going to have a podcast tomorrow for you guys and on Sunday. If you want to take the weekend off, I understand, but let's go ahead and do a double feature Monday morning and get both those podcasts and download all that Dolphins content into your brains, inject it into your veins. I'm going to be your guy every single day down here up through August the 3rd, the team scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And right before I sign off, I want to tell you guys about the belts holding up the pants of the comprehensive coverage of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes and no flaps. Grip6 has a special offer for you guys right now. Go over to grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. Grip6.com slash lock to get your Grip6 belt today. And also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog and training camp report journals up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night and weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow for a Saturday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.